market. Uh, therefore, you know, if the mainland market is weakish, uh, you know, Hong Kong market may or may not do well. So I think 23,000 uh, is the, the, the first target uh, we have met that. I think going forward, it really depends on what's, what will happen uh, in the uh, onshore Asia market, you know, to, to give Hong Kong further direction, you know, from here. Okay, well, I'd love to carry on longer. Very interesting discussion. But sadly, we've run out of time. So thank you very much. That's Hal Hong, Chief Economist at Grow Investment Group, Stuart Allcroft, Asia Fund Management Industry Consultant, and our international economics correspondent over in Washington, D.C., Barry Woods. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Just dipping into the markets one more time for this morning. The SX200 right now uh, is up a quarter of a percent. Over in Japan, the Nikkei 225 is slipping into negative territory. It's down about three quarters of a percent. Uh, the Cosby in South Korea is up about 0.7%, and it does look like we're going to get a small gain of about 25 points or so for the Hang Seng at the Open this morning. Thank you very much for listening. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Stay tuned for back chats coming up after the news with Janice Wong and Jenny Lam. The weather forecast for today, mainly cloudy. One or two rain patches, bright periods during the day and a maximum temperature of about 21 degrees. And the outlook is for it to remain mainly cloudy and misty in the next couple of days. It will be relatively humid with fog on Sunday and Monday. It's 18 degrees right now, 84% relative humidity. Times 8.31, here's Barry O'Rourke with the half-hour news. A big rescue effort is continuing for a second night to search for survivors of Monday's earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. Thousands of Turkish soldiers, along with international teams, are taking part in the emergency operation in the south of the country. Nearly 8,000 people are now known to have died. President Erdogan of Turkey has declared a state of emergency across a large part of the country. Starting from places close to the disaster area, the necessary plans are being made to prepare hotels, which have already closed due to the winter season, to host disaster victims. 50,000 beds have been prepared for this purpose in the Antalya region alone. The United Nations has warned that the flow of vital aid to northwest Syria is being disrupted because of damage to the roads. Half the population in Syria's rebel-held controlled area is already displaced and living in refugee camps in freezing conditions. Jan Egeland is from the Norwegian Refugee Council. It's an earthquake in a gigantic cluster of refugee camps. The main border crossing is called Babel Hawa. That is the one that is authorized for the United Nations and for non-governmental organizations. That one has not been in use since the earthquake came, because of the supply routes from and to Babel Hawa are full of rubble. The Hong Kong Red Cross says it will launch an emergency appeal this week to raise funds to help relief efforts in Turkey and Syria. Karen Poon, head of International and Relief Service with the Red Cross, says, in, says that internationally it hopes to raise over 215 million US dollars to aid in rescue and rebuilding efforts. In Hong Kong Red Cross, we are already receiving designated donations, especially for those affected in Turkey and Syria, so that we can provide the essential material aid and mobilizing our volunteer staff to go on site to help them. We will be launching an emergency appeal this week, and we hope that we will raise the funds for the essential items for those in need. 
Russia's foreign minister has outlined Moscow's ambition to provide military backing for countries across West Africa in the battle against jihadists. Sergei Lavrov was speaking during a visit to Mali. It's formed a close relationship with Russia, hosting mercenaries from the Wagner Group. Mr Lavrov insisted the Kremlin could help other governments too. The fight against terrorism is, of course, a problem for other countries in the region. We are going to provide our assistance to them to overcome these difficulties. This concerns Guinea, Burkina Faso, Chad and the Sahel region generally, and even the coastal states on the Gulf of Guinea. Finally, scientists in the UK have for the first time assessed the number of people at risk from floods caused by the climate-induced melting of mountain glaciers. Researchers say at least 15 million people are exposed, with more than half living in just four countries, India, Pakistan, China and Peru. More news on the hour from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Janice Wong and our guest presenter is Jenny Lam. On today's program, we're talking about transgender rights in Hong Kong. In a landmark ruling on Monday, the Court of Final Appeal decided that the authorities had breached the rights of two transgender men by refusing to allow them to use their new gender on their identity cards because they had not undergone full sex reassignment surgery. Ruling in the men's favour, Hong Kong's highest court called this an unacceptably harsh burden on them. The issue was first brought to court in, in 2019 after the Commissioner of Registration refused to review the gender status on the past identity cards as they had not undergone as they had only undergone hormone treatment and had their breasts removed. So what exactly will this ruling mean for the transgender population here? Will any laws have to be changed as a result? And after 9.15, we'll be looking at the prevalence of young onset dementia in Hong Kong. So let us know what you think. You can leave us a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, email us at backchat at rthk.hk, or give us a call on 233 Now joining our discussion this morning, we have on the line Xin Yu Tong, an Associate Professor of Gender Studies at the Chinese University, Josiah Chok, a barrister and former Chief Officer at the Equal Opportunities Commission, and Dr. Severus Zhang, the Vice Chairman of Quirks, an NGO that focuses on transgender the youth. Good morning to you all and thanks for joining us on the program. So, um, Professor Shin, let's go to you first. Um, can you first break down what this ruling means for transgender rights? Good morning to you. So the implication of this court case, like any other judicial review case, um, has got its broader significance but can also be quite limited in its scope. So if we look at the particular ruling of this court case, the direct implication of this court case means that full sex reassignment surgery as a requirement for changing gender marker on identity card is to be removed for um, female to male trans people. And this is the term that is used by um, uh, uh, the court. However, this only concerns the ID card policy and as the court ruling actually highlights, ID card is an administrative document and does not have legal meanings. So um, uh, the court actually clearly said that this case does not involve dealing with uh, legal gender recognition more widely. So um, 
we're left with a situation you know, in which the trans people's lives in different domains of life uh, is going to be improved uh, because uh, 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 ID card uh, is, as we know, in Hong Kong presented in many social uh, situations. And in the past, we have found that if transgender people present an identity card with a gender marker that is different from the lived gender in, in everyday life, our research and research in different parts of the world shows that they would receive a lot of um, discrimination and negative treatment in different uh, domains of life, like the cases uh, in this uh, particular court case. So in this court case, it means that um, trans people who have not uh, changed, um, who have not undergone full sex reassignment surgery, which is also a term that the court used, uh, would now be eligible to change the gender marker on their identity card. And also I think the decision was unanimous and strongly worded, and also I think in um, uh, 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 the in the uh, court ruling, it also dispelled many commonly held ideas against transgender people, which I'm sure that this morning's discussion would also touch upon as well. Right, so Dr. Severus Zhang, and you wanted to clarify that your pronouns are he and him. Um, do you believe now Hong Kong should go further and consider gender recognition legislation? This is totally necessary. Uh, we understand that there is a uh, interdependent departmental working group on gender recognition and it has been there since 2014. As for the first part of the public consultation, it has been finished in 2017, uh, but until now we have had nothing from the working group. Uh, just as Professor Soon says, uh, the victory of this judicial review is only dealing on the administrative document, namely the gender marker on the Hong Kong ID card. But of course, there are more to be done uh, on the whole gender recognition and even for other aspects, including the public reception and, and even uh, how gender affirming healthcare and uh, whether there are any, for example, anti discrimination uh, on the transgender community. Well, what, what, can you elaborate? You mentioned healthcare. What are some of the other advantages for, uh, for Hong Kong in having a gender recognition legislation? Um, I would say, uh, most importantly, um, when we are thinking about uh, all these healthcare decisions uh, on gender affirming care, whether they are about mental health professions, uh, mental health uh, support, or even hormones or surgeries, everything, all these should be really focused on whether the transgender individual really wishes to receive these kind of changes in the body and not about the consequences to their legal status. And I will also add, um, uh, the victory of these uh, cases has actually changed how Hong Kong sees transgender people. Now, there is a very common misconception that transgender person is often questioned um, by the society or even by themselves if they are transgender enough, if they haven't undergone any gender affirming surgeries on, on their sex organs. Now, but being transgender is nothing about surgeries. Um, I mean, the requirements that a transgender person has to undergo gender affirming surgeries of their sex organs in order to update the gender marker on their Hong Kong identity card is a denial of the whole existence of transgender people. Now, um, it is now saying that their sex organs have to resemble that of cisgender people and also sterilization in order for the gender identity to be recognized. But we have already known that it is a fact that gender identity is independent of sex organs. 
transgender people in Hong Kong well, are now finally not objectified to whether we have done any sex organ surgeries in, in order to receive just this very basic human right. All right, uh, Dr. Zhang, let's uh, go to uh, Mr. Chok. Good morning, Mr. Chok. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So, so what impact do you think uh, this ruling will have? I, I think the judgment is quite strange to me because uh, it, it imposes further uh, duty uh, on the government to uh, uh, revise the present uh, administrative uh, procedures uh, regarding the identity card marking. I don't know how the government could do uh, uh, in order to comply with the court order because it, it was uh, patently stated that uh, any full uh, sex reassignment uh, surgery is prohibited under BOR, Bill of Rights, uh, uh, Article 14. I would regard it as ours. How about partial then? Sorry, how about what? Partial as uh, 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 Right. So, 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 from what you're saying, you, you do not, you, you don't think that the ruling offers any uh, legal clarity about uh, the criteria yes, yes, for, yes, for, for yes, when or creates, whether people can apply for a change in their assigned yeah, gender. It creates another uncertainty to me. What uh, are your, yeah? What are your thoughts on gender recognition legislation, Mr. Chuck? That gender recognition act or the legislation must be widely discussed and. In, in our society, and also we need to balance not only the transgender population. How about the feeling of the uh, majority of the population? I I, I could uh, read into the uh, judgment and found that some of the concerns of the majority of the population have been underestimated or underrepresented. Why, why do you say that? How do you know what the majority of the population thinks? Yes, exactly. We have to conduct survey on the, on the response of the uh, main population. For example, the, the five digits said that uh, the, uh, what we call the female to male, okay? Female to male, when they visited the uh, toilets, nobody uh, at the male toilets will will uh, concern about uh, whether or not uh, those uh, uh, transgender uh, situation. But this case only concerns about female to female. How about male to female? Uh, I and, mean, also the, and also the other thing, because male to 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 female, the criteria are universally applied to both genders, I must say. And it is not, uh, it, it is factual that in foreign countries where there, there are uh, such legislations, there are evidences that male to female, okay, transgender, they commit Crimes. What, what, what evidence is there? Can you, can uh, you ex give an rape, example? Sexual assaults. You can 
with BBC, the UK scenario and the other cases in the US too. We uh, cannot turn a blind eye to such phenomenon. All right, uh, Mr. Chuck, let's uh, go back to um, uh, Professor Shun. Professor Shun, you're the expert. Is that what you've been hearing? I mean, and uh, and what was your view on uh, Mr. Chuck's um, um, understanding of the ruling, that uh, it will create more confusion? Well, there are a few points that I want to um, uh, share. I mean, the first point is about survey. As an academic, I love surveys, and I've actually been conducting a number of them in the last 10 years in Hong Kong about uh, public attitudes towards uh, LGBT plus people, and in particular on transgender people. And to a lot of people's surprise, actually, Hong Kong public is much more supportive than may have been imagined on transgender issues. And... Um, so I think that, 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 that point is quite interesting about our assumption of Hong Kong public attitudes uh, towards transgender people. We may have underestimated how actually society is also changing a lot as there has been more discussion and more understanding about what uh, being transgender is. And also I think the second point about uh, sort of the possible scenarios that might happen if uh, such identity card uh, uh, policy is changed, I think uh, uh, the court ruling also particularly engaged in that and, and and engaged a number of possible scenarios that the ID card policy uh, said that if uh, 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 the government said that if it were to be changed, it would affect a number of scenarios like during nuclear attack or other scenarios. And then I think one word they, the court used was that these scenarios were fancified and that the likelihood of those happening could be very slim. And also they even engaged uh, a rather controversial example of asking whether it could be possible that a transgender person may get pregnant. And then the court's uh, uh, view was that these scenarios, like any other scenarios in life, could happen. But then they thought that this was rather slim. And then, and then in, in the proportionality test, because that's the test that um, the, the court would rely on a lot in considering balancing different viewpoints. And then the court thought that, well, to, to overweight and then to say that the very slim chance of those uh, uh, cases happening to, uh, to, to overweight that on top of transgender people's concerns, that's not quite uh, 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 reasonable. And then also, I think another point about uh, oh, now some uh, members of the public may be concerned about how the line were to be drawn. I think during the court, uh, court, court case, it was also argued that medical certification would be possible because uh, uh, currently, actually, in the ID card change policy, they do take into to account, account medical exemptions. So, uh, and also, uh, uh, the court take, takes into account that overseas jurisdictions can do it. So, the there is there there is it is possible for a line to be to 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 be drawn. And I would uh, say that all of these taking into account, it 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 it, it is important for uh, transgender people's well-being because, as I mentioned earlier, when we did the largest scale study of uh, a community survey of more than 200 transgender people in Hong Kong. We found that when transgender people present an identity card that does not match their lived gender, they face basically discrimination uh, uh, in many different important domains of life, such as employment, access to services, like health services and other services like education. So uh, I think this ruling is very important for uh, transgender people's well-being because 
because this is a population whose uh, social and mental well-being has been under a lot of stress. Our study uh, results showed that more than three quarters of them have uh, uh, contemplated suicide, a quarter of them have attempted suicide. This is not to say that transgender people on its own is going to uh, 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 face all these mental uh, uh, difficulties, but it is because of a socially and legally unaccepting and unsupportive environment. So I think this um, uh, uh, ruling, uh, in addition to future hopefully legal gender, gender recognition uh, uh, law changes, hopefully would uh, help to enhance the well-being of this vulnerable and marginalised population. All right. So Professor Shun, um, another point that Mr. Chuka uh, Raise was uh, that uh, he, uh, he said he doesn't know what uh, the government can do to comply with the court order. What do you think the government needs to do now after this uh, court ruling? Well, I think that is very interesting because, you know, the, 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 court, the court ruling, the judgment clearly said that, well, the, the court doesn't think that is in the position to write the, the policy for the immigration department. And then it asked the um, uh, immigration department to do so. Well, first of all, I would urge the government to not delay uh, uh, rewriting the policy for too long because sometimes in previous situations, even after court ruling, the change could have been um, uh, delayed. And then the second second one is, as I mentioned, actually, I don't, when I read the judgment, I, I feel that the, the judgment actually hinted at the idea that medical certification could be possible to, to, to go ahead, because in different legal gender, gender recognition regimes around the world, it ranges from no change of gender marker to uh, changing of gender marker being dependent on medical certification or professional assessment to uh, what might be called a self-declaration model in some parts of the world. And... Um, and I think looking at the, 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 the court ruling, and to be quite honest, judging on the um, 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 uh, cultural environment that, that, that we're living, it is my personal assessment that I think a self-declaration model might not be feasible at the um, current time being in Hong Kong, all things considered. And this is only my personal opinion, uh, taking into account the different factors. So I think some form of a medical certification could be possible. I know that some transgender people may not uh, 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 find that idea um, uh, uh, the most ideal situation, given that uh, a lot of transgender people would quite rightly uh, uh, think that they know their gender the best. But then I think um, uh, to balance the, the different factors that, that, that we see in society, it seems that some form of medical certification and professional assessment is um, uh, maybe more feasible in the future. All right. Dr. Zhang, you're a transgender man. What do you think of uh, Professor Xun's suggestion? Some kind of medical certification? Um, uh, I, I do believe that um, uh, if the current requirements of self-organ surgery uh, is removed, that, that it's very possibly to have another kind of medical, uh, medical proof or medical certificate to be given. Uh, uh, but I would say, um, I would also like to first um, uh, like to clarify um, something what has been uh, replied earlier, um, especially on the issue on toilets. Um, first of all, um, we are actually discussing, uh, for example, in the female restroom, if there is a group of female, um, but they're only sharing possibly different sex organs or different backgrounds, um, 
uh, on the agenda, uh, is that really an actual issue? Now, there has been a very comprehensive discussion in the judicial review of K, uh, but I would like to emphasize that uh, when we are talk, talking about, for example, criminals or, for example, sexual harassment, transgender people are not criminals. And even if we are, for example, stopping transgender uh, female from using female toilets, it is not re- it is it has nothing to do about whether there would be any crimes in the restrooms. Now, for the crimes, including those for sexual harassment, it has nothing to do with what kind of sex organs you have or what kind of gender identity you have. Um, and I would say, um, uh, uh, just as uh, Professor Soon mentioned, maybe there's there any profession, uh, professional assessment on one's gender identity. Um, in this victory of the GDG review, it is definitely a decision on the side of human rights and justice. And even if there are well, misconceptions of the transgender community, uh, there may be a lack of education. It isn't something we have to avoid. There should be um, a comprehensive uh, gender recognition system uh, that would be satisfying to our, to our city and also providing comprehensive education on sex and gender instead of avoiding the right thing to do. Uh, I would also have to stress that there is actually no, su- no such thing as a full or even a partial um, gender affirming surgeries. And according to uh, the standards of care of the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, if you're really listing out every single gender affirming surgery, there are so many from the face, from the Adam's apple, from the chest, for the sex organ, etc. And I would say, uh, now that the uh, immigration department has only taken those requirements about sex organs, it is already something very partial. But I, just as I said before, um, I just find no significance for these sex organs determining one's gender identity. And the reason why I'm saying that they are calling gender-affirming surgery instead of sex reassignment surgery or even calling, for example, transgender men being male to female or male to female is also the gender-affirming approach uh, from the medical view, from the WHO, from all these international guidelines. Uh, there is no, for example, before and after. And what we are doing is to really recognize women's gender identity. Yeah, so Dr. Zhang, you're a medical doctor. Can you um, elaborate on what are some of the um, problems in, in uh, uh, gender reaffirming surgery? What are some of the risks involved? Um, uh, uh, indeed, I mean, I can also talk about it later. So, uh, especially when we are concerning uh, those uh, surgeries or sex organs. Uh, the most varied uh, uh, risks and complications related to the urological problems. Uh, for example, when the uh, urethra uh, uh, undergo some uh, surgery, there may be, for example, uh, serious infection or even stenosis. Uh, is also uh, a, a high concern that one may have to do, uh, may have to use a urinary catheter if there's something going wrong. Uh, but I would say um, uh, all these recent complications, they are also related to uh, the kinds of, well, 
the kind of uh, um, uh, appearance and the function involved by the surgery. And surgery isn't really that objective. Uh, in the requirements, for example, a construction of vagina, there are also many types of vaginoplasty. It can be well, very similar to a um, uh, uh, one that was born with a vagina, but it can also be a serial death vaginoplasty. As, and it's also even more um, less objective for, for the construction of a uh, penis or some form of penis. Now, I'm quoting the exact wordings from the requirements of immigration department. Now, the construction of penis that is actually referring to phalloplasty, that is in, indeed uh, usually a, an operation involving more than once, usually for two times or even for three times for the different steps. And uh, the risk involved is really high, including for some of uh, just as what I mentioned before, mostly about the urological complications. Now, what is the real meaning of some form of penis? It is a very interesting question. Um, it usually refers to metoidioplasty, meaning the uh, or so-called the clitoral release or the release of clitoris. Okay. Now, um, these surgeries, there are also so many types, and there are also it can. For example, the one done in Hong Kong in Prince of Wales Hospital, it has a very minimal function and very minimal changes in appearances. So we also understand that these kind of decision of having doing something that seems to be medically unnecessary, it, sh it shouldn't be uh, uh, having the person think about what would be the consequences on the legal status in order to do this kind of unnecessary surgery. Hmm. Right. So, Josiah Chuck, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, um, I'm um, afraid we we're to, running out yes. of time. We're going to have to take a break uh, for the uh, news summary very soon. Um, Dr. Zhang, thanks again for joining us this morning. And that's uh, Severus Zhang, the Vice Chairman of Quirks, an NGO that focuses on transgender youth. And uh, Professor Shun and Mr. Chuck will uh, continue our discussion in three minutes' time. And uh, also later on in the program after 9.15, we'll look at the prevalence of young onset dementia in Hong Kong. So uh, if you have any comments or questions for our guests today, do give us a call. Our number is 233-88266 or you can email us at backchat at rthk.hk. And now here's a quick look at the weather, mainly cloudy with one or two light rain patches. The top temperature will be around 21 degrees. Winds, fresh easterly is occasionally strong offshore. And the outlook, mainly cloudy and misty in the next couple of days. Right now it's 18 degrees and the relative humidity at the observatory is 84%. This is Backchat on a Wednesday morning with Jenny Lam and me, Janice Wong. Still with us on the line is Xin Yu Tong, an associate professor of gender studies at the Chinese University, and Josiah Chok, a barrister and former chief officer at the Equal Opportunities Commission. So uh, just before the break, um, we had uh, Dr. Zhang, who's a transgender man, explaining uh, the complications of sexual reassignment surgery. And the point he was really making was that the Court of Final Appeal ruling is really about human rights and justice. Josiah Chuk, what do you think? It, it is really about human rights and justice for a group of sexual minority. I understand, but human rights is not only applicable to minority, also applicable applicable to the majority but to respond to the criteria I, I, I would I, personally I supported the unnecessary surgery should not be done however I would only consider those reconstruction of sexual organs 
uh, uh, this criterion is redundant. But what about the removal of ovaries and testicles? I think we're talking about two different things here. Gender yeah. recognition and, and uh, a person's sex are two um, separate things. You seem but the to... point is that Hong Kong, uh, there's no gender recognition here. Well, that's what and we're talking about, should yeah, we? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, whether it, it should be, I will throw it to the public and the legislators to, to decide. And uh, uh, you can see why the uh, consultation process takes a long, long time. Right, it's got to start somewhere. What, what about Professor Sturm? What do you think? Um, Desire Chuk is, it's, it's, it seems to be uh, talking about gender and biological sex. Uh, well, what do you think? Those are two separate issues, aren't, aren't they? Well, I'd like to add that actually, um, like the discussion just now, actually, um, if, we, if we ask transgender people, a lot of them, as Dr. Jung mentioned earlier, do not think that their self-identified gender is completely dependent on um, their biological uh, organs, which is uh, the sexual aspect of it. Uh, because I think that is, that is quite important, because in society, I think sometimes we um, conflate uh, those two up and then assume that, well, a person's self-identified gender must be dependent and linked to their bio uh, biological sex organs. And in fact, actually, it is indeed true that some transgender people wish to undergo uh, gender-affirming uh, surgeries and then do, do different changes to their bodies and regard that as a very important aspect of their life and uh, self-identity. But for a lot of other transgender people, either because they do not wish to do so to their body or also the other aspect we mustn't forget that uh, not every transgender person's body is ready to undergo those uh, different forms of uh, 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 changes i mean anyone can easily imagine that those forms of surgeries are highly intrusive can could also be very risky and as dr jung mentioned earlier they could also be ineffective unfortunately at the current technology level so uh, I think we have to uh, uh, recognize that um, uh, a person's self-identified gender uh, may not necessarily be uh, entirely dependent on biology. And then another point that I actually uh, agree with uh, Mr. Chuk is that actually we need to um, uh, uh, understand public opinion, but actually we, we cannot com we cannot keep on delaying that because actually the, the interdepartmental working group started their consultation back in 2017. I and many other colleagues also uh, uh, very actively engaged in that process. And now we're talking about to 2023 and we even haven't uh, uh, seen the, uh, the report of part one of the consultation and then we cannot further delay and delay the injustice that some parts of the, our society face uh, indefinitely. Right. So you, you said, Professor Shin, that you understood what Dr. Zhang was talking about, the, the complications of surgery, and yet you, you think that some kind of medical certification should be considered. I mean, how, 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 do, how do you do that? Is it a psychological assessment? Well, I think that's a good question.
question because looking at different models around the world, when we are talking about medical assessment or professional assessment, it does not necessarily mean that it only focuses on the biological organs as a person's uh, assessment criteria. But it means that it could be psychologists, it could be uh, uh, different clinical professionals, and also making uh, an assessment in terms of whether that person uh, is going to likely to be permanently living in the gender that they indicate that they want to change their gender marker into. So, um, and then also actually that's also part of the um, uh, 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 assessment of uh, gender dysphoria in Hong Kong right now in terms of the lived uh, experiences that uh, because people in Hong Kong currently if they are uh, assessed uh, 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 to have gender dysphoria or not, one aspect would be that they would be required to undergo a real life lived experience in terms of the gender that they indicate. So uh, when we talk about medical assessment or professional assessment, it does not necessarily mean um, uh, the, the, the removal or change of sex organ, but it could be a more holistic assessment of whether that person is uh, uh, going to uh, be likely uh, to be permanently living in that gender. And of course, then, when, we, when I use those tentative words of likely, I, I'm sure that some members of the public might, might be quite alarmed. But if we look at other parts of the world, that the chance of a person uh, so-called reversing the gender of their choice is basically minimal and, and, and virtually next to none. I, I do not say that there is absolutely zero cases of that, but it has been extremely insignificant in the whole regime of things if we look at the experiences in different parts of the world. All right, so Professor Shun and Mr. Chuck, I have uh, two uh, emails here from our listeners. One is from uh, Jeremy. He wants to know, um, he says, uh, Dear Backchatter, please ask your panelists, what is a woman? Can they provide us a clear definition. And I uh, have another email here, a message here from uh, T.C. Jung. Um, he's uh, talking about uh, out, uh, what we're discussing today about uh, transgender rights. And he says, this is one of the reasons why I laugh when hearing Hong Kong calls itself Asia's world city. And uh, that's a message is from T.C. Jung. So um, maybe Mr. Chuck, do you have any um, response to these uh, emails and messages? Uh, 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 please repeat the, the concern of the email. The first one. Yeah. It says, uh, the first one is uh, he, he just wants to uh, um, get your view on what is a woman, the definition, a clear definition of what is a woman. And then the second one is just uh, um, he, he's just uh, expressing his view about uh, transgender rights. He says it's one of the reasons why um, he laughs when he, he hears Hong Kong call itself uh, okay. Asia World City. And since I am a legal practitioner, I will stick to legal principles. Uh, under the laws of Hong Kong, a woman is defined uh, on the assigned sex acquired uh, at birth. Okay, and that's woman. All right, and Professor Shun? Well, I think that is a very interesting question. I would like to um, sort of put it into the, into the wider context of ask us to think about what is a social group anyway? 
so um, uh, I would say that a woman uh, comes in, uh, as it were, all forms of sizes, like any other social grouping, because that uh, we have got a lot of intersectionality. A woman can be of different ages, uh, can be of different socioeconomic statuses, can be um, of um, different family statuses. And if we add to that, that actually among women, there are those who are born as women, and then there are those who were, uh, when they were born, they were uh, sexually assigned to be men, and then they self-identify as uh, women. So I think like when we think about different social groupings, actually there are lots of intersectionality and loss of complexities and diversity. And as a society, rather than uh, to be judgmental, we have to have an open mind to know more about uh, the differences and live with them in, in, in society. And I think also on the second point about uh, uh, Asia's world city, it is indeed the case that actually transgender rights vary um, uh, uh, very, very, very much across uh, the different uh, uh, parts of Asia in, say, places like Nepal, there has been uh, 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 even more uh, progressive changes on uh, transgender rights. However, there are, there are also other uh, jurisdictions in Asia that are not um, they still do not even allow any change of gender marker uh, 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 on a person's document, even if they have undergone uh, uh, different forms of gender-affirming surgeries. So, so uh, this court case, I think, uh, uh, really indicates that uh, uh, actually in the Asia region, there is still uh, a lot to be done in terms of thinking about enhancing transgender people's well-being, and that this is a step that Hong Kong has taken, in my view, a more positive uh, uh, step towards uh, that direction. Right. And I just want to go back to an, uh, a point you made, uh, Professor Xun, at the start of the program about uh, the, the ruling. You said uh, it will uh, definitely improve uh, the living situation of uh, transgender people, but uh, the ruling itself is uh, kind of limited. It won't really affect other laws. So in that case, um, for example, other laws such as ma marriage, I mean, it won't have any uh, particular implication then. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, because uh, the, the court, uh, the judge actually uh, highlighted that, well, the ID card is an, is an administrative procedure and does not carry uh, legal meanings. So we're still left with a situation that in case that there are other laws that uh, are in which a person's gender is still involved as a major aspect of dispute. So, uh, for example, we can um, imagine that, for example, to do with insurance or other situations about inheritance say in terms of um, um, uh, uh, the situation in which that uh, 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 a person's gender can be an expert that is involved, we still left with a situation of uncertainty. And that's why I think I and many other uh, people would believe that legal gender recognition, and as Dr. Jung and, 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 and perhaps also Mr. Chuk also mentioned, that like, we need to take into the diverse viewpoints, but no matter what viewpoints are, we need to be given an answer of what the legal gender recognition should look like and then the uh, consultation has taken place for so long and then Hong Kong should uh, no longer further delay on that. Right and, and uh, Mr. Chuk, I mean earlier Professor Shun he, he was talking about surveys he's done in the past and that shows that uh, the public is now more supportive of uh, transgender um, transgender people. Um, do you think I mean in your view do you think society is changing and uh, they are more um, supportive of uh, transgender people? I think there are a lot of surveys done 
on these aspects, but I will rely on independent surveys. Uh, Professor Xun is a, a well-known character that he supports transgenderism. So, so I have reservation on that. Uh, so I will count on the government to conduct a prudent survey by engaging independent uh, body to conduct the survey. First point. The second point concerning this uh, judgment is is of a rather limited. Uh, uh, application because it does not concern about the legal status uh, of transgender. Okay, the second point is that uh, self-declaration uh, uh, gender is not being discussed uh, in this uh, case. So there's a long road in the future to examine the possibility of uh, 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 sex recognition. Uh, legislation, and I have to point out the UK scenario. They adopt a rather liberal uh, uh, self-recognition uh, criteria, and what is coming up in the in Scotland? Uh, some male to female, okay, they are recognised under the law, but now the most liberal Sturgeon. The, uh, the, the, the minister of uh, uh, Scotland, she re, uh, reassigned those transgender female back to a male prison because they committed sexual crimes. So we have to be worried about these happenings nowadays. And concerning uh, those pregnancy cases, to me, one case is more than enough. The government has a duty to deter or forestall any anomaly arising from introducing those or amending uh, those criteria. All right, Professor Shun. My, 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 my concern. All right, yeah. Pro Professor Shun, your response? Well, I would uh, like to say that, um, um, as I mentioned earlier, I think, um, uh, I actually, I, I, I would actually agree that I think a self-declaration uh, model could be um, um, more difficult to be culturally uh, accepted at the current time being, as I, as I mentioned earlier. That's why I, I, I personally, despite that, I, I know that some transgender people might not like that viewpoint. I personally feel that in order for it to move ahead, uh, uh, a self-declaration model might be difficult in, in, in Hong Kong or indeed many parts of Asia at the time uh, being risking that I might uh, actually uh, anger some transgender people in, in in, in saying that, and the and the other thing is that uh, actually I think for a lot of concerns about um, say some situations that have been raised around either toilet usage or other um, uh, 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 issues about possible scenarios either in prisons or other institutions that what we sh what we can do or shall do maybe to 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 actually think about other security measures rather than uh, sort of stopping transgender people from using those facilities or institutions as a whole because I understand that those concerns are, are are very understandable and those are also concerns that different parts of the world have been debating but if we're concerned about that 
shouldn't the focus not be on transgender people, but on security as a whole? Because, say, if assault could uh, take place um, in an institution, it could be an assault that takes place between all different genders. So I, I, I do understand and sympathize with those concerns, but I think sometimes the focus has been on the transgender status rather than say why the security issues because say in toilets there could also be cubicles or in like the situation of different um, yeah, or just uh, gender, gender neutral toilets which exactly. many parts yeah. of the world have so i think sometimes the focus has been on the gender of that person rather than actually how an institution can be set up better for everyone uh, in, in those situations all right, so Professor Shun, I'm afraid uh, we have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Shun Yu Tung, an Associate Professor of Gender Studies at the Chinese University. Many thanks also to Josiah Chalke Barriston, former Chief Officer at the Equal Opportunities Commission. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. It's now 20 minutes past nine and it's time to turn to our next topic. And that's about a new program set up by the Jockey Club Centre for Positive Ageing to help people with young onset dementia. To tell us about the three-year program, we're joined on the line now by Dr. Kenny Cho, the Chief Training Consultant at the Jockey Club Centre for Positive Ageing. Good morning, Dr. Cho. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, can you first explain what young onset dementia is and or, or how serious is it? Oh, thank you very much. So, uh, thank you for your invitations. First of all, uh, what is younger on the dementia? Actually, dementia is a general term for the person with an abnormal decline in brain function caused by the neurodegenerative disease. It's also a disease that occurs uh, due to the gradual loss of the brain function, which affects the memory, thinking, language, judgment, behavior, and character of the people with uh, the functions. So um, the younger onset dementia is used to describe any forms of dementia that develops in people under the age of 65. That means that dementia had, had been diagnosed in people in their 50s, 40s, and even in their 30s. This is why sometimes we will call it an early onset dementia. How, so how the, common the, is that in Hong Kong? Um, actually, uh, uh, according to the statistics from the WHO, the World Health Organization, uh, it accounts up to 9% of the people with dementia are uh, people with younger onset dementia. Um, deducting on the figure on the circumstances on, in Hong Kong, it is estimated that there are currently more than 13,000 people in Hong Kong who are uh, with younger onset dementia. So its clinical features would differ from the people with dementia and hence, and uh, many life changes and different experience facing by the people with younger onset dementia that are worth for our attention. So this project um, that the Jockey Club is uh, is launching, what will it focus on? Uh, actually, uh, with the generous duration by the Hong Kong Jockey Club Charities Trust, our centre, the Jockey Club Centre for the Positive Aging, launched this program focused on the three dimensions. First of all, is, uh, the diagnostic services because uh, quite a lot of the user or what we call patient actually they can't find a proper medical checkup or medical diagnosis so we're providing a one-time free diagnosis and examination for those who have not been diagnosed with younger onset dementia including the first doctor consultations the blood and the urine laboratory test and the um, mri brain scan etc 
if necessary, the participants may need to pay other expenses for um, further diagnosis recommended by the doctor is the first part. In the second part, we will have uh, a very systematic program and dedicate and case manager to them. So uh, first of all, uh, we would like to have the free um, follow-up services and providing care training for people who are diagnosed with younger onset dementia and their caregivers. It will around 10 sections within three to six months for empowerment and set up the well-being action plan. It includes the knowledge and caring skills with communication strategies, coaching the care partners to handle the daily arrangement and the distressed behavior from the person with younger onset dementia, the stress management and exploration for their coping mechanism, and also introduce and referral some community resources. We aim at enhancement of the caregiver's self-efficacy and self-resistance. And the last and the most in, uh, well, and the last part, we will try to uh, coordinate with some specialists to focus on the features of the um, people with younger onset dementia, such as we will provide the uh, occupational benefits for the home environment and home modification, um, for the speech therapists, we would like to maintain their speech um, um, abilities and language so that they can present themselves. We will have the family therapists to uh, understand more about the family, family dynamics and how to make a better care plan in the future, like the advanced care plan and also the financial issue. The last part is the um, specialist doctor consultation to understand more which type of dementia for the people with younger onset dementia and any psychiatric symptom from them we can try to help to handle. So it combines three parts in this project. All right. And when we talk about uh, dementia, uh, Dr. Cho, we usually think of the elderly. So what signs should younger people look out for if they are worried that uh, they may have a young onset dementia? Um, actually, I think it's not easy to distinguish between the what we call the older people with, young, with dementia and the younger onset dementia. So uh, maybe there are some symptoms or some things that um, have a significant change uh, in the um, very short period of time. And we, all, uh, we always can uh, or ask the user uh, what is the significant change in this uh, period of time. Anything that encounter is uh, maybe someone will uh, try to share with you or maybe uh, uh, tell you that uh, you have some uh, significant changes, including the memory loss. Or maybe sometimes you have an appointment um, and then you miss the appointment, but uh, it's quite frequent. Let's say uh, in one week and then you have two or three times missing the appointment. Um, so maybe one month you get one missing, it's okay, but it will have the continuous, uh, continuous uh, happening for that kind of issues. And also we will try to look um, into the cases and, and see whether uh, they will have some re- uh, repetitive behavior, a repeated asking questions, and low motivation. They, they don't want to go out and prone to apathy, which is not the same with the one year or two years ago. They are very outgoing, but now they would like to stay at home and don't want to uh, talk with the others. And also, um, maybe uh, their, their judgment, uh, they have um, um, in, in, in you know, their working uh, environment, actually they are smart and uh, they can um, do the multitask, but now they can just only focus one areas, and and sometimes they use more time to uh, handle the uh, or complete the task, etc. And 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 the significant things, one of the significant things is the language issues. You will find that uh, you can't find the work that you can describe yourself, and sometimes you may misunderstand or misinterpret something from the others uh, due to the language issues. So uh, we have to check with different parts 
and then have a holistic assessment uh, for understand the case is it younger onset or they are just getting old. So how does uh, the care and treatment for people with on early onset differ from elderly people with dementia? Um, I, I think uh, for the um, older person, actually, we will uh, say that, okay, uh, they are getting old and, and they just uh, take a rest and then you can try to have some cognitive training and then have the leisure activities. But for the younger onset uh, dementia, actually, they have uh, parents, they have the little child and they have their spouse. Uh, actually, they uh, they focus more on the um, daily arrangement and how to reschedule um, the, 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 the daily living. Because I think uh, they may not have uh, different kinds of um, um, strategies to handle because of the brain deterioration. So we will focus on, um, we will have a dialogue and then try to understand the strength, what is the strength part first. Because we would like to maximize their potential with the uh, existing memory uh, 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 status. And then we will try to readjust uh, some of the uh, mechanism or strategies to handle the daily things. So that they uh, will uh, getting uh, less uh, frustration, they will have more confidence to work on that, and then uh, they need to be open to share with the family members and also with the friends, so that they can facilitate them to complete uh, their uh, original task. So uh, the focus we are not just only focus on the rehabilitation and training, but also how is the quality of life, how is the coping strategies, and how they communicate with the others. This is the important part in the younger onset people with dementia. So uh, it may be a little bit different with the older person, and we also uh, recommend they have the advanced care planning to make earlier uh, planning for their uh, end stage, or maybe we would like to recommend them to do the endurance power of attorney to manage their financial issues, etc. So uh, our focus will be uh, a big difference. Right. Just uh, very briefly, uh, Dr. Cho, um, if they want to seek help from your, your um, younger onset dementia support program, do they just contact you or do they need to be referred to the program by another doctor? Uh, yeah, actually, we welcome to uh, receive the inquiry and also we would like to meet you uh, for our Job Become Younger Onset Dementia Support Project. So uh, you just call uh, 2636. 6323 uh, as our hotline uh, that you, we can try to uh, understand more about you. So, or maybe you go to our website, uh, www.jccpa.org.hk, that we can have the information inside the website. All right, Dr. Cho, I'm afraid we're out of time and good luck with your program. And that's uh, Dr. Kenny Cho, the Chief Training Consultant at the Jockey Club Centre for Positive Ageing. Many thanks also to you who commented or emailed us today and, of course, to our guest presenter, Jenny Lam and producer Yuki. Now, here's the weather. Mainly cloudy with one or two light rain patches. The top temperature will be around 21 degrees. Winds, fresh easterly, is occasionally strong offshore. And the outlook, mainly cloudy and misty in the next couple of days. Right now, it's 18 degrees relative humidity 84%. I'm Dr. Siu Kaukau, pediatric respirologist. The best protection for kids aged 6 months or above against the surging pandemic is arranging for them to get COVID-19 jabs. Catching COVID-19 isn't like having a cold or flu. A severe case like encephalitis may lead to intensive care or even death. Vaccination can reduce severe cases in pregnant women who can then pass antibodies to the fetus. Newborns can also get the antibodies through breastfeeding from vaccinated mothers. It's 9.31, the news with Barry O'Rourke. 
A big rescue effort is continuing for a second night to search for survivors of Monday's earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. Thousands of Turkish soldiers, along with international teams, are taking part in